At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every goal, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a game-winning goal in the final seconds of overtime or a shot on the goal in the first period. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. It's man-to-man coverage. This is the PFT PM Podcast. And now, your host, Mike Florio. Friday edition of the PFT PM Podcast. Getting ready for the wild card weekend. Going to get you ready for the wild card re- weekend. You know what I've done to get ready for the podcast today? I'll, I'll peel back the curtain a little bit. I've gotten to the point where, and I guess I shouldn't be proud of this. This is not one of my finest moments. My process of preparing for the PFTPM podcast consists of sitting down and saying, all right, I'm ready. Let's go. And I guess the, I don't know, more appropriate explanation is that my preparation comes in the form of the things I do all the time, day in and day out, week in and week out, hour in and hour out to stay up to speed with what's happening in the NFL. Plus, I have access to profootballtalk.com. I can see what we've written and the things I've written. I'm in a position to give you some additional thoughts beyond what already is out there or just a a good summary to the extent that you haven't had a chance to read the website. And I'll pull up the tweets and I'll answer your questions. So I guess I do some preparation on the fly, but that's pretty much how it all works. Everything is kind of on the fly. When you're plugged into the football matrix all the time, there really isn't that traditional sit down, think about what you're going to say, think about how you're going to say it, think about what topics you're going to cover. It just kind of flows out. And I don't know, would it be better if I actually took time to think about what specifically I want to discuss? Would it be better if I took time to think about some turn of phrase that I'm going to use that's going to impress people? Probably not. I remember when I first got into the radio business, subbing for Dan Patrick, feeling compelled to have every single thought on paper every single word articulated. I approached it like I approached practicing law. Because when you practice law, you have to have things planned out. There's a mechanical aspect to it. There are certain things you must say, certain buzzwords, certain topics, certain boxes you have to check. And you can't just go in free form because then you're going to forget to check those boxes. But when you do this, who cares if I don't check the boxes? Am I going to get an F? Am I going to get disbarred if I forget to talk about the Bears-Eagles game? And I have a feeling I won't forget to talk about the Bears-Eagles game, but there aren't many things that you just have to hit on when you're talking about the NFL. You know what the big topics are because you're plugged into the football matrix all the time. So thanks for plugging into the football matrix here. Maybe that, maybe that, maybe that, does that could that become like a welcome to the football matrix? Should we should we change the name? No, I'm not, I'm I'm outsmarting myself as I often do. PFTPM is what the podcast is. It's what it will continue to be. And this is the third straight day of doing it. I felt bad taking last week off, so we're back at it. And there's plenty of things happening. I see that Jay Gruden has been told he'll be back in Washington in 2019. Gee, it's nice they let him know five days after the season ended. I wonder whether or not they explored a potential upgrade. That's what the Dolphins were going to do with Adam Gase. They were going to hang on to him while they try to figure out what they're going to do by way of a potential better coach. And I think Adam Gase and or his agent 
went to Stephen Ross and said, look, we're not playing this game because if you don't want him, someone else will. So Gruden is staying put. I've heard that, and I don't know if someone reported this, it all kind of gets thrown into the big same vat of stew, but I have heard that Eric Schaefer will end up taking over the football operation. Bruce Allen is going to be exclusively involved in trying to get a new stadium. And I think it would be good for the organization if they get Bruce Allen out of the football side of it. Sorry, Bruce, but it's just time to acknowledge that you're not generating the results that you need to generate. Jets reportedly interested in Baylor coach Matt Rule. So there's that. Still waiting for him to make their run at Harbaugh. I guess there's a chance that they've asked Jim Harbaugh and Jim Harbaugh has said no. But we reported a couple of weeks ago that they were planning to fire Todd Bowles and pursue Jim Harbaugh. And for all anyone knows, the phone call was made. The number was floated and Jim Harbaugh said that's not enough. The Buccaneers could still be making a run at Jim Harbaugh. See, I think Jim Harbaugh would approach any NFL flirtations the way he approaches everything secretly. But it's the old school way. Your name doesn't get out until you're taking the job. You don't want your recruiting interest to be undermined in any way. And you don't want to develop this sense of inevitability that you're eventually going to leave. Because there's already a sense Jim Harbaugh is eventually going to leave and go back to the NFL. So if you give credence to that by starting to interview for jobs, that makes it even harder to recruit. I was kind of surprised to see that the Steelers have fired outside linebackers coach Joey Porter. And my first thought, based upon Porter's history there, based upon where the Steelers currently are, as it relates to a lack of discipline, that this is a warning shot at Mike Tomlin. That this is the closest thing we're going to have to tangible proof that Tomlin is moving toward the hot seat. Because I think Porter was a Tomlin guy. And I think somebody other than Tomlin made the decision that Porter wouldn't be back. Usually when a position coach is fired, it's because the players for whom the position coach is responsible aren't getting it done. The Steelers outside linebackers are getting it done. So it's not that. And Porter had the incident in the playoff game with the Bengals a few years ago, even though he baited Pac-Man Jones into doing something that gave the Steelers 15 yards of field position and delivered a victory. It resulted in a rule change that was loosely known as the Joey Porter rule about people entering the field when someone's injured. Because Porter was out there on the field when he shouldn't have been after Antonio Brown got blown up by Vontez Perfect. Then there was an arrest a couple of years ago during the postseason of Joey Porter. And that weird story that I don't think we ever wrote about. I remember seeing about it. These antics, allegedly, of Mike Tom and Joey Porter when their kids were playing high school football in Pittsburgh and they were just like bad sports parents. I think there's a friendship there that got thrown out the window in the name of reinstituting a better sense of discipline to the Pittsburgh Steelers. And it's needed. The thing about Tomlin... He's got the hard parts of the job figured out. It's the easy stuff that he trips over. And you can't have those unforced errors. The business is hard enough. You cannot have mistakes that are avoidable. You're going to have plenty of unavoidable things, things out of your control, 
that will work against you and keep you from trying to get to where you want to be. If you create your own problems, that's where eventually it's going to add up to a new coach being in town. And I know the Steelers pride themselves on not changing coaches, but I think they're currently ashamed of where the team is. The Antonio Brown thing, number one, it never happens anywhere else. Number two, it just creates such a bad look for a team that has the talent to contend for championships but doesn't have the discipline. It isn't sufficiently buttoned up to get there. So we'll see what other changes are made in Pittsburgh. But I think in 2019, as we put together our list of coaches on the hot seat entering the season, I think we have to have an eye on Mike Tomlin. Even though it rarely happens that anyone is on the hot seat in Pittsburgh in a coaching capacity, I think we have to. We have to consider that. Adam Gase has had his second interview. Cardinals on Wednesday. Jets on Friday. Isn't it a weird time of year in the NFL? Five days ago, Gase was coaching the Dolphins. He's had two interviews with other franchises since then. Be wild if he stays in the AFC East. There's still a disconnect between what the fans think of Gase and what people in the league think of Gase. Some people in the media don't like him just because, you know, he's not as nice to them as he could have been, I guess. It's the Adam Gase, Matt Patricia effect. If you don't treat the media the way the media wants to be treated, they end up making an issue out of things that, for other coaches, it's not an issue. I don't know if he's going to get a job, but he's he's had multiple interviews. A guy who was freshly fired has had multiple interviews. And that creates a buzz, that creates a sense of inevitability. And then the question becomes, if he doesn't get hired now, does he wait until next year does he just take the year off or does he try to be someone's offensive coordinator he's going to get paid by Stephen Ross for the balance of his contract I think it's 10 million dollars that he's owed so that tells me it's two more years five million a year I assume that's what it is he ain't making 10 million a year yet I think that's changing I've been meaning to write this I think it's come up in the context of this podcast maybe the morning show the idea that teams are seemingly breaking out of years of collusion when it comes to what coaches are going to make. As I talk about it, I remember we have had that discussion. I think it was a question that came up yesterday. But we're going to see more and more eight-figure annual coaches, I believe. I see that another Ohio State player is entering the draft. I heard today Dwayne Haskins is definitely leaving. I had heard that the other day, but then he said he was 50-50 after the bowl game. I think he's just being... In the aftermath of the bowl game, not disruptive, right? Not a guy that that is taking away from a win in the Rose Bowl. That's a big deal. That that was always the epitome before there was a playoff. For Ohio State, you get to the Rose Bowl and win it. Doesn't matter where you're ranked. You want to get to the Rose Bowl and you want and you want to win it. And that's a great season for Ohio State. And if you end up the national champion, so be it. But you want to get to the Super Bowl and you want to win it. The all pro team out today. There's always like weird little flaws. And I don't have the list in front of me of the 50 people who vote. It's 50 people who are in the media. But it's clear that there are people in the media who shouldn't be voting. And I remember last year seeing at least one name where I'd never heard of the person before. I mean, for somebody who's plugged into the Matrix all the time, 
to not have heard of one of the people who has one of these votes. And look, I'd take one. And I had somebody connected to the AP suggest to me last year we're gonna, I, we're, that I'm going to get one soon. I don't know if they're just trying to get me to be nice. We've had a history of, I don't know, hostility, acrimony. I, th- there was a period when we were on our way up and we would report something and the AP would take our report as the starting point and they would report on it and we'd never get credit. And I think once in a while we got credit, but for the most part it was our story was the starting point. They'd make a phone call to confirm it and then they would report it as their own. And they do that now a lot. This isn't going to get me an AP vote, but have you noticed if you have Twitter, like the AP stories are always well behind everyone else and they wait and they get their own source. And sometimes you'll see the headline AP source. Well, your AP source may be the same as the source that five other people had. It's just a weird way to do business. But the world has changed. And the one thing that the AP needs to acknowledge is people don't care who's breaking it. We give people credit all the time. People just want to get the information. We've kind of become the football version of the AP. We're the wire service. And we have some of our own original stuff. And we have our own original analysis. It's not just a ticker tape with the nuts and bolts of what's being reported. But I think there's some tension there. But I don't know if it's something's going to happen after Barry Wilner is no longer the point person for the AP football coverage. And I've never met Barry, but there's probably something there. The old school football writers and reporters, there's always been something there because PFT came in and we shook up the way things were happening. And, you know, I remember one of the complaints and this was, what was the guy's name? He's not, I don't know what he does now. He had a hall of fame vote for years after he was covering the NFL, which just made no sense whatsoever. David Alphin. I remember when he was the president of the Pro Football Writers Association, they used to do a newsletter they'd send out. And he went all in on me personally. I wasn't even in the group about how bad I am for the 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 industry. And, you know, it forces, because we traffic in rumor, it forces the writers to actually do work because the editors see what we write see what rumors and or reports we have and then the editors have the audacity to call the people who work for them and say hey pft is saying this check it out see when you're on salary sometimes you're on salary you don't you don't want to get a phone call at eight o'clock at night from the boss saying hey make a few calls on this so in a lot of ways we changed the world as it relates to how Football news, sports news is covered. And there are some people out there who, you know, still have a problem with it. So, as I always say, if you got a problem with me, it's your problem. Because I ain't changing. I know I was joking around about a New Year's resolution to be less of an asshole. Yeah. I tried it. Like every other New Year's resolution that I ever attempted, it failed. The only New Year's resolution I ever stuck to was made 15 years and four days ago. And that was the resolution beginning January 1, 2004 to work on profootballtalk.com every day. Every day. And I had no idea that I would stick to it for 15 years. That was just a goal for 2004. Because my my thought was, it's never going to become what it can be if I don't put more time into it. It's never going to be everything it can be if it's just a hobby. I got to take it more seriously. I got to put more time and effort into it. And 
that's about the time it started to generate a little bit of revenue, enough revenue to justify continuing to do it. And as we put more into it, it generated more revenue and it kind of snowballed that way until number one, Sprint showed up in 2006. And number two, NBC showed up in 2009. I can't believe it's almost 10 years ago since the phone call came from Rick Cordella of NBC expressing the interest in having some sort of a partnership and me trying to scare him away with the George Costanza style. I must have full control this is the show, the show about nothing, whatever it was, whatever I said. I basically said, we're wasting our time if I'm not going to have full and complete control over everything that gets put on the website. And if you're not ready to give that to me, we just shouldn't even be talking about it. And when he said we have no problem with that, that's when it's like, oh, shit. Now I got to come up with another way to scare this guy off. And I'm glad I didn't. So here we are. All right, let's do our, oh, well, let me address one more thing. I got a lot of respect for what the Lions are trying to do. I got a lot of respect for this concept of taking a step back in the hopes of building a foundation to have a team that is dominant year in and year out. And that's what I think they're doing with Bob Quinn and Matt Patricia. But when Bob Quinn did his press conference today, 44 minutes, and he was asked questions about the background check that was done on Matt Patricia when he was hired last year. Because remember, in May, the story came up about an indictment, not an allegation, not an arrest, but an indictment by a grand jury on a felony charge of sexual assault from 1996. There was a question of what the Lions knew and when they knew it. And Quinn got asked about that today, I guess because Quinn doesn't meet with the media very often. And somebody was ready to ask that question. And... Ultimately, after being asked several questions about it, Quinn said, essentially, I'm not paid to do extensive background checks. And we wrote an item that focused on that quote and explained the remaining context in a way that was consistent with the message that he was sending. Essentially, the message was somebody else in the employment of the Detroit Lions should have found this. That's not my job. And that is an unfortunate comment. I think if he had a chance to do that over again, he would say it a different way. The bottom line is, they didn't know about it. And the bottom line is, whoever is paid to find out about it didn't find out about it. Now, can Bob Quinn wash his hands of it? I don't know what the structure of the organization is. I don't know who reports to whom. Does security report to the GM? Does security report directly to Rod Wood, the president of the team? But what Quinn ultimately said here is that somebody else dropped the ball. Somebody else didn't do their job. That's not my job. I'm in charge of football. I'm not in charge of figuring out whether or not the guy we want to hire to be the head coach was indicted for anything 20 years ago, 20 months ago, 20 days ago. That was his point. And it's not, a, it's, it's, you're throwing somebody under the bus when you say that. And what happened was the Lions engaged with MDS who wrote the story and had a comment on Twitter about Quinn abdicating responsibility for something that falls under his, his, his umbrella. And this whole concept of context, I mean, what he wrote, what MDS wrote, was consistent with the context. He didn't take anything Bob Quinn said and isolate it in a way that altered its meaning. That's when something gets taken out of context. So I don't know why the Lions wanted to have that fight on social media. I don't know why they felt compelled to put us in a position where we had to do more about it. And MDS ended up posting the entire transcript of what was said. And the bottom line is, Bob Quinn, I think, would take a mulligan on that. And Bob Quinn maybe was a little frustrated that the Q&A was going 
beyond two or three questions and ultimately said, hey, look, I'm not paid to do extensive background checks. It's not me. Somebody else, somebody else dropped the ball here. That's what he said. And I guess to a certain extent, it's obvious, but I mean, I don't know what you do when you lead an organization and somebody in that organization screwed up. What do you do? What's the right thing to do? Do you take the responsibility for it? Or do you say, that's not my job? And you could argue that the right thing to do there is say, we didn't know about it. I don't know if it would have changed our decision. We should have known about it. I agree. And it's our responsibility as an organization to get that information. That's a way to do it without creating that sense that you're blaming someone else for what the organization failed to do. All right, let's do a preview of the games to come this weekend. Then I'll answer some of your questions. Let's start with the game that begins the four games. Four great games, too. No Bills Jaguars in this quartet of games. Colts-Texans. Chris Sims have been making the argument all week on PFT Live, and I think this is a fair and accurate argument. The idea that the Colts offensive line is good enough to hold at bay J.J. Watt, Jadavian Clowney, and company. And I think that that gives Andrew Luck enough time to find open receivers down the field, and the Texans' defensive secondary is suspect. And I think... That's where it goes from here. The Colts move the ball. The Colts score enough points. And unless Deshaun Watson is really going to rise to the occasion, he has a history of doing it. But if he can rise to the occasion, if he can get it done, I could see the Texans win. But for now, my pick is that the Colts will win the game. The Colts will advance to play the Chiefs next weekend. Saturday game on NBC. We will be there for that. We're taking the show on the road. Colts at Chiefs. And frankly, I don't want to get ahead of myself. I don't want to pick the Colts, the sixth seed in the AFC to win two games. Let's not get crazy here. Let's just focus on one. Colts on Saturday over the Texans. Won't surprise me if the Texans win. But the Colts are 9-1 and one in their last 10. Just because they're the sixth seed. They were one and five. Think about that. One and five. Four games under 500. Six games into the season. And look at where they are right now. All right. The next game. Saturday night. Seahawks-Cowboys. This one, in my mind, initially felt like a Seahawks win. Russell Wilson. Playoff experience Seahawks maybe on a neutral site the better team I don't know but it's the thing I, you're going to Dallas Seahawks are four and four on the road this year and I think the key is going to be Chris Richard the passing game coordinator defensive backs coach the guy who knows the Seahawks personnel he knows the way they do things he knows how Russell Wilson operates he was there long enough to be able to understand what it's going to take to beat the Seahawks in a game like this And it reminds me of what happened to the Cowboys when they went to Indy and faced defensive coordinator Matt Eberflus, who had seven years with the Cowboys. I think Chris Richard is that that other side of the coin. And we will see if that is enough of a difference for the Cowboys at home in that 
that stadium where the experience is very different. It's kind of bright. It's kind of shiny. It's kind of crazy. It's kind of loud. It's kind of wild. And I think the Cowboys are going to pull off the victory and advance the divisional round, and we'll see who they play based upon what happens in the late game on Sunday. Let's move to Sunday, the Chargers and the Ravens game. Look, I'm fascinated by the fact that these teams just played 13 days ago. It'll be 15 days between games. They played in L.A. on that Saturday night. It was a good game, even though the score seemed a little lopsided. It was close down to the end. But for the Antonio Gates fumble, maybe the Chargers would have won the game. And the Chargers are 7-0 and away from Los Angeles this year. They lost one road game at the Coliseum against the Rams. Every other road game, they won. They could go to Baltimore and win this game, even though it's a 10 a.m., Pacific time start. They had a 10 a.m. Pacific time start against the Browns and they blew them off the field. But I can't not pick the Ravens because I've already picked the Ravens to go to the Super Bowl. How can I not pick the Ravens to win this game? When, when the game is so closely matched, when you've got a Chargers team that is getting a second chance at Lamar Jackson, so they're not going to be completely flustered and confused by the way that Jackson runs the offense, and this run-based attack that the Ravens have put in place. When that element starts to make you think, all right, the Chargers can pull this off, and Phillip Rivers has the experience, and Lamar Jackson doesn't. And, you know, I was really working my way into a conclusion the Chargers are going to win the game. I keep coming back to the fact that I picked the Ravens to make it to the Super Bowl, and I can't bail on the Ravens now that they're in the playoffs, especially since my NFC pick, the Packers, Yeah, I don't see them winning this weekend or any weekend before September of 2019. Last game of the week, the one that will be on NBC, the Eagles at the Bears. You know, I saw the Bears Twitter account. Let me pull this up here. This is going to be a lot of fun, depending upon how the game goes. The Bears put out an article that has... A summary of all the picks. The pick is in. You're either with us or wrong, the tweet says. And the link goes to a page on the Chicago Bears website where they have a summary of all the picks. And here they all are. Matt Bowen, ESPN, Bears. Mike Golick, ESPN, Bears. Trey Wingo, ESPN, Bears. Pete Prisco, ESPN, Bears. Jason Lockenfora, CBS, Bears. Will Brinson, CBS, Bears, MDS, PFT, Bears, Elliot Harrison, NFL.com, Bears, Writers Consensus at the Chicago Sun-Times, Bears, and there's only one name on here that has the green helmet with the stylized wings with the black around the edges, and that's me. And of course, I got a lot of Bears fans up my butt about this. Well, okay. Here's why I picked the Eagles. I picked the Eagles because ultimately I have more faith in the Eagles than I have in the Bears in a single elimination game. And I know that the Bears look very good against the Vikings in a game that had a playoff vibe to it. I think the Bears are much better than the Vikings overall. And I think Matt Nagy decided he was going to go all out to get that win on Sunday in Minnesota because it was the closest thing to a playoff game they were going to have before they got in the playoffs. But they had a game that had a playoff vibe to it on a Sunday night against the Rams. And... Mitch Trubisky was not good. He was shaky. 33.3 passer rating. One touchdown pass, three interceptions. The ball was sailing on him. What big games has Mitch Trubisky ever had in his life at North Carolina? 
Not a lot of Tar Heels appearances in major bowl games on Mitch Trubisky's watch or anyone else's. I just think this avalanche of opinion, this presumption that you just check check the box and the Bears are going to win, that's dangerous. Because we saw it last year with the Eagles. Who did we think was going to win? Falcons-Eagles. Even though the Eagles were the one seed. We thought the Falcons were going to win. What happened? Eagles uh, Eagles won. We thought the Vikings would go in and win. They were favored. NFC Championship game. Eagles the one seed. What happened? Eagles wins 38-7. Super Bowl. Oh, this is a no-brainer. Patriots win this one. Why are they even playing the game? Tom Brady versus Nick Foles. Are you kidding me? And the Eagles win. And now, once they beat the Rams last month, that's when I decided, you know what? If I'm going to be wrong about the Eagles and Nick Foles this year, I'm going to be wrong because I had faith in them, not wrong because I didn't. So I'm riding this out. And I spent a few days thinking about it because early in the week, it's like, yeah, okay, it all sounds good, but screw it. The Bears are going to win this game. The Bears are too good. The Bears defense is going to swarm. It's going to take away those underneath routes. We had a nice package on PFT Live. Chris Sims showing the play, showing the what the, the Eagles like to do, the underneath crossing routes. And he showed what happened when the Vikings were trying to execute those crossing routes. Guys getting blown up left and right. But Nick Foles gets rid of the ball quickly. His bruised ribs are improving. And the defense is going to be better. Peter King had a great point today on PFT Live that Michael Bennett plays better in the postseason. That's where he steps up and makes his legacy. I I just think that come Monday, we're going to be talking about how we should have seen it coming. And I remember feeling this way before Super Bowl 50. It's the last time I felt this strongly about it. That everything was pointing toward the Panthers to beat the Broncos. And I saw how it was going to go. And I ultimately went with experience over inexperience. And I laid it out ahead of time. And it wasn't 100% on all fours with how it went, but it was pretty close. I was feeling pretty good that day. Because there are so many times in this business where we say after the fact we should have seen it coming. I like every once in a while to see it coming. And when I look at this list of all these Bears helmets, and there's the one Eagle helmet... You know what? If I'm wrong, who cares? What are they going to do? If I'm right, who cares? What are they going to do? But if I'm right, at least I'll have the satisfaction. So, let's see how that plays out. But I like the Eagles. And, and it's not rational. It's not logical. Which makes it even more likely. Because there's nothing rational or logical about this Eagles team when Nick Foles is playing. Nothing. So, under my assessment of what's going to happen, it will be Colts, Cowboys, Ravens, Eagles, all advancing. So that will be Colts at Chiefs next weekend. It will be Ravens at Patriots next weekend. It will be Eagles at Saints. And it will be Cowboys at Rams. Any permutation is going to be exciting. Whatever combination ends up happening, it's going to be worth your time. And this week is worth your time. All four games worth your time. All right, going to answer some of your questions. NFL leads 
The Buccaneers are using a search firm to find a head coach. Is this about finding head coaching talent or about protecting against a Matt Patricia-style skeletons in the closet? Or is this GM Jason Light trying to give himself an out because he didn't technically hire the head coach? Now, it's still on him. Look, you you can either do the, the search on your own or you can hire an outside firm like Corn Ferry or you can get a consultant like Ernie Accorsi, Ron Wolf, Charlie Casserly. And when you do that, whoever you hire... What you necessarily are doing is adopting and accepting whoever they would hire. Their friends get considered. Their enemies don't. They have the people they like. They have the people they don't like. So, and I don't know how much of this Corn Ferry involvement is aimed at maybe just covering tracks. Because I feel like the Buccaneers are going to pursue some, some college coaches. And maybe you don't want to get Jason Light in position to be the one who's making the call. If it's Corn Ferry, who knows why they're calling? Hey, we want to talk to you confidentially about something. Would you be interested in possibly coaching the, drumroll please, Tampa Bay Buccaneers? No, I'm not. Okay, thank you very much. It's it's easier to deny that you're even sniffing around a guy, and it's easier then to say we got the first guy we wanted. You always want to be able to say we got the guy that we wanted. That's the goal with a first-round pick. That's the goal with your coaching hire. You always want to be able to say, we got the guy who was at the top of our list. That's why the Jets That's why the Jets disputed the report that they're going to make a run at Jim Harbaugh. Because if they do and he says no, you don't want the next guy to feel like he's the fallback. PFTP and Posse, where are all the Steelers players, offensive linemen, bashing Antonio Brown to the media for actually quitting on them in their darkest hour? Hell, A.B. was, is under contract and walked out on them, while Le'Veon Bell was never under contract and never even showed up. You know, that's a good point. Cam Hayward had some comments about Antonio Brown, but it sounds like they're willing to let bygones be bygones. I, I don't, I don't, I just, th- I think that maybe the Steelers players realize that Antonio Brown is very emotional and also just kind of prone to doing some things that maybe he wouldn't otherwise do if he had a chance to think it all through. And that maybe they hold a guy like Le'Veon Bell to a higher standard of overall mental acuity. I don't know. PFTP and Posse, why do Pro Bowl alternates decline invitations? If by declining, they're not considered Pro Bowlers. Even if I was injured, I would show up so I could have Pro Bowler next to my name when contract negotiations came up. Yeah, I, look, here's what it comes down to. You don't want to go play in that game if you can avoid it. Look at what happened to Tyler Eifert several years ago. You don't want to get yourself injured. And I don't know how the bonuses always work. I'm sure it depends upon the language of the contract. If you weren't originally voted to the team, if you have a major Pro Bowl bonus and you're an alternate and you get a chance to go, does that kick it in? I don't know. I think it depends, again, on how each contract is written. But if there's a huge financial incentive to go, then you go. But I don't know that being a, a Pro Bowl alternate. Hey, I was a Pro Bowl alternate. And actually, I was a Pro Bowler because the guy in front of me didn't go. I don't know that that affects your, your overall value when it's time to get a new contract. PFTP and Posse, what are some of the more interesting and or controversial things you've said written on PFT that brought the most blowback from NBC and or 345 Park Avenue? At least ones you can share with the PFT and PM Posse and billions of fans listening to PFT PM around the world. Well, I wish it was big. I'd be I'd be happy with thousands, tens of thousands. Hang on a second. I got I got I got a multitask here. Can't take a break like if it was radio. That's a problem with doing this podcast. I, every once in a while I have to do something. So I'm going to type while I speak. Hang on.
All right, I'm done for now at least. Back at it. So, yeah, I, I don't want to go down that rabbit hole right now. There's too many other good things to talk about. These are off-season topics. But obviously, if you are in the business of trying to stir things up and be authentic and honest and open with the audience, every once in a while you're going to say something that someone isn't going to like. That's how it works. And we just deal with it. And, you know, I, I, I rarely, like if I say something controversial that people get upset about, it's not like I'm I'm sitting around thinking, how can I really piss someone off? Like, how can I really create a problem? I really feel like creating a problem today. How can I do it? What can I say that will get somebody really upset? So, we'll see. If during the off-season, there's something I want to share. But I, I just don't, that I, I just, yeah, it's inevitable that you're going to, say some things and write some things and do some things that people aren't going to like, but I never do it deliberately with an intention of screwing everything up and causing problems. Next question, Terry Gensler. I remember you saying Philadelphia was a team that was easy to deal with as far as being a media member and gaining access since winning the Super Bowl. Have they been easier, the same or more difficult to deal with? I think they've been the same. I think the same. No, no much, not, not much more different. Not much harder, not much easier. Uh, Just the same. So, let me move on to the next one. I'm sorry I'm distracted again. I I have some texts that I have to respond to and I have to read. And I'm trying to play it off while I do it. I think you can tell. Anytime I slow down and all of a sudden periodically don't make sense. Like, yeah, okay. Yeah, huh? Yeah, yeah. Kind of like you're watching the game and your wife's asking you what you want for dinner. Yeah, yeah, my uh, my shoes don't fit. Recliner QB, why does the NFL insist on having Pro Bowl defenses at 3-4 when you can't blitz and rush, having 4-3 outside linebackers? Rather than th- I don't care. It, it, look, I don't care about the Pro Bowl. Sorry, I shouldn't have even started reading that question. I don't care about the Pro Bowl. Faisal Morali, who's the name that you have heard that surprised you the most this hiring cycle? Man, that's a good question. I guess Dennis Allen. That one came up today, and it was pitched as, ooh, a surprise candidate in Miami. I... <clears throat> I mean, he's done a good job with that defense the past couple of years, but it, it just felt like he was one of the guys that was going to be in the, hey, he had his chance as an NFL head coach. It didn't work, and now he's just going to be a coordinator forever again. But, you know, maybe, maybe people realize that in New Orleans, if you're running the defense, you're running the defense. It's not Sean Payton's bailiwick at all. So it kind of, I guess it surprised me it took so long. Like, why would it be a mystery candidate? Like Dennis Allen should be in the same category as a Brian Flores and Eric Bieniemy and Josh McDaniels and any of the assistant coaches on the teams that have bye weeks whose names emerge. Like, why was it a mystery that they wanted to interview Dennis Allen? Mike likes dirt. What would the least exciting Super Bowl matchups be out of the current playoff teams? The least exciting. Least exciting. I would say. Hmm. Man, they're all pretty damn exciting. Think about all the teams in the AFC. I'd say the least interesting team in the AFC is the Texans, but they're still pretty damn interesting. The least interesting team in the NFC is probably... I don't know. Is there one? I think any of the matchups would be compelling. The question is which one's the most exciting. But I think they're all pretty damn exciting. I know that's a cop-out, but I think that... That they're all. That this is going to be a great postseason, a great, great, great postseason. 
All right. You know what? I, I got some stuff I got to take care of, if you can't already tell. That's the problem of doing this uh, podcast. It Because it's not a radio show and, and I can be distracted by other things that come up, sometimes I get distracted. How long have we been going? We're going about 40 minutes. Let me just answer a couple more. Snowpiece, should the Vikings consider trading Adam Thielen? Might allow them to keep Barr and Richardson. Hashtag hot take. Yeah, I don't think you trade Adam Thielen. It's too good of a story. He's too good of a player. I think you want to have Adam Thielen and Stephon Diggs, although they are going to have to take care of his contract this offseason. Stephen A. updates on the Kaepernick case. They're supposed to start the hearing at some point in 2019. Now, I don't know if it's going to be one continuous session or whether they'll break it up over multiple days or weeks or, you know, cause you're going to have owners that are going to be testifying. And I don't think they're going to have all the owners show up at the same place and just walk in one after the other, like the Seinfeld trial. But I, it, it ain't going away. And I think that Colin Kaepernick has a pretty strong case and we'll see if the arbitrator agrees. If it was going to a jury, I think Kaepernick would win in an arbitrator's hands it could go either way, but I think they have some strong evidence. And the question is, can they put it all together in a way that will get the arbitrator on their side? Terry Gensler, do we know where this Reuben Foster thing is headed? The NFL does the investigation, suspends him, gets criticized because he wasn't charged. Then video surfaces and it hits the fan, right? Yeah, I don't know that video is going to surface, but look, if this was Ezekiel Elliott two years ago, it's easy. They continue to pursue it. The NFL investigates it. The NFL can take the word of the victim in the case. What happened in Tampa was a decision was made that they weren't going to be able to get a conviction. There are credibility issues with the accuser. Those credibility issues can make it very difficult to prove guilt beyond a reasonable doubt. When the NFL uses a much lower standard, that's not the case. And it all comes down to what the NFL wants to do. So how much of a mess does the NFL want to make? How much of a story does the NFL want to create? Or does the NFL want to break away from this habit of suspending guys who are never charged, who are never in real criminal jeopardy. And it'll be interesting to see. This will be a great test case. Where is the NFL as it tries to stake out middle ground between Ray Rice and Ezekiel Elliott? Because after Rice, they went too far one way. After Elliott, I think they've gone too far the other way, as evidenced by Kareem Hunt. Where are they going to land on Reuben Foster? Let me answer a couple more here. Terry Gensler, 14, has Jim Schwartz not been involved in head coaching discussions because he possibly isn't interested in leaving Philly? I think Jim Schwartz is interested in being a head coach, as all are. All, all um, assistant coaches want to be head coaches, period. Now, you want to pick your right opportunity. You don't want to take a bad head coaching job, but I don't think Schwartz just wants to hang around Philadelphia as a defensive coordinator. Jacob Wilson, 90, for the record, Hugh Jackson is not a candidate for the Vikings offensive coordinator, exclamation point. Oh, I think he is. I think he is. And I think if he doesn't get the Bengals head coaching job, he could end up being the Vikings offensive coordinator. Bored to death, I really enjoy your speculation with some NFL storylines like the Zimmer to Cincy deal and a Keenum-Cousins swap if Shanahan becomes a head coach in Denver. What's the most unlikely scenario you've surmised about that's actually come true is it Josh McDaniels? Well, that one wasn't speculation. That was, I was hearing Josh McDaniels may not follow through on his commitment to go be the Colts head coach. 
mean, th- there there have been some. I, there isn't one that stands out. I know there have been times where something that I thought could happen did happen, and I hadn't written about it, and I wanted to kick myself. So I'll try to find a way. If I have an idea of the way I think something will happen, I'll try to throw it out there uh, ahead of time. And sometimes it comes to fruition, sometimes it doesn't. But that, 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 that's kind of like what I feel like my role is in this broader NFL media landscape, distilling all the information, taking the patterns that we've seen in the past and figuring out how they may repeat themselves, how they may not, how the human factors come into play here. So, uh, you know, I don't know. Oh, I forgot that I committed to doing a, I'm going to do a spot in Seattle with our good friends at KJR. Dave Softy Mahler is going to be calling in a few minutes. So uh, I do have to be done by 5.30 p.m. Eastern time, which is just six minutes from the moment that I am speaking right now. So uh, I had to, I, I forgot about that one. I knew that it was, it was one of those days where I knew that there was something else I had to do and I forgot what it was. And now I remember. All right. Probably should wrap this up. Sorry. We're kind of going out with a fizzle here today. This is just one of those, one of those weird days. A lot going on. Scrolling through here to make sure I'm not missing a really, really good question. And there are plenty of good questions. The problem is once I start answering them, I find more that I want to answer. The Real Forno. I woke up at 1 a.m. Central Time to watch a wrestling show from Japan. Have you ever done something? You did it on purpose? I've never gotten up early like that. That Fishing is the only thing that I've ever gotten up early for. And I I would always regret that. The 4 o'clock alarm to get up to go fishing. I always regretted that. Even even if we ended up catching a bunch of fish, it was always that, why did I do it? There's like a five-minute period where it's like, hey, this is great. Just before dawn, you really feel like you're doing something. Like, hey, man, we're fishing. But I, that that's the only thing I ever got up ultra early for, and I never felt proud of it after the fact. And on that note, since I don't feel proud of this episode of the PFTPM podcast, see, that's the thing. If I do too many of them, some of them are going to suck. I'd put this one right about a C plus. C plus. I give myself a C plus. We'll do one again next week. Going to Connecticut on Sunday for the pregame show for Eagles Bears. I'll be back Monday. We'll probably do one Monday. Monday afternoon. Probably Tuesday. Maybe Wednesday because Thursday heading to Kansas City. We're doing PFT live from Kansas City on Friday. Chris Sims and I will be together in Kansas City for that. We've got the hour and a half pregame show in advance of the Chiefs playoff game, whoever it may be, whether it's the Colts, whether it's the Ravens, whether it's the Chargers. It's going to be potentially a great game because the Chargers have beaten the Kansas City Chiefs at Arrowhead Stadium. The Ravens almost did, and the Colts, I believe, can enjoy the wild card weekend we'll do this again on monday all weekend long check us out at profootballtalk.com have a great day you can find the pftpm podcast on art 19 apple podcast stitcher and google play if you like what you hear and you will subscribe for automatic downloads leave a rating and review that'll help new listeners find our show and push us up the charts search pftpm for your evening update from pro football talk whatever job you need to do out there Grab the right tool to get it done. The new F-150 with an available hybrid engine and up to 7.2 kilowatts of pro power on board to power things on the go. It's not a tool you'll hang in a tool shed, but you can certainly use it to build one. 
the new 2024 Ford F-150. Tough this smart can only be called F-150. Available starting early 2024. Optional features the owner's manual for important operating instructions. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every goal, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a game-winning goal in the final seconds of overtime or a shot on the goal in the first period. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply.